Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's 5.32 a.m. in Honolulu, and you're listening to Night Call. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Night Call. I am one of your three night callers, Molly Lambert. And I'm here today with Tess Lynch and Emily Yoshida in New York. This week's podcast is brought to you by Lisa Mattresses. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome yeah, back hi. to my call. <laughs> hey. So hey. I, um, I, I, I want to start off just to get us rolling at the beginning because I think we, I think maybe when Claire was on, we kind of offhandedly mentioned send us ghost stories. And we got a lot of people sending us ghost stories. So thank but you. But not enough. We need not more. <laughs> feed us more ghost stories. <laughs> um, so thank you. But but I, I'm very impressed with everybody's stories and also jealous. But I feel like we can get into that in a little bit. Um, yeah, well, we uh, I, I set this up as a transitional episode uh, connector last week with the Atomic Museum that I mm-hmm. wanted you guys to watch Haunters, the Art of the Scare. 
Yeah. A documentary on Netflix about people who are, are obsessed with haunted houses because I thought, hey, it's the beginning of spring. Let's all watch a documentary about Halloween. Well, you kind of you sold it strangely because you said it was about people who are obsessed with haunted houses. But these are people who actually their life is being scarers or what are well, they? That's what I meant. Haunters, bayers of haunted house. Yeah, yeah. They are they are the they are the 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 men and women behind the curtain and behind the bowls of blood and whatnot and this guys. Tell me, tell me your reactions to haunters, the art of the scare. Oh, I loved it so much. I was I watched the first ten minutes and was like, I am not going to finish this documentary. But you have to kind of like immerse yourself in it for a bit. You have to like marinate in it. And it gets super good. I felt like it reminded me a lot of Cannibal Cop in that even if you don't think you'll enjoy it, you you will if you give it a chance. Or yeah. maybe not. I don't know, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Emily? Um, I I mean, I am fascinated with this stuff. And um, in, in, in addition to having... <laughs> Done a lot of the haunts around uh, the LA area. Um, I also uh, worked with a writer at The Verge for a while who was doing a lot of these experiences and like did blackout and all that. So I've always been like really interested in um, in kind of what the the latest is and experiential scares. I really so I really liked the doc for that. I liked I liked um, needing Char Char Mayer, the the like Love queen Char. of scares. Um, she's the best. She's yeah, the heartwarming she's, part of she's the incredible. <laughs> I I mean I love that like. I love that it was. Yeah, I love the. I love the coda. We won't. We won't spoil it. Tell, for tell right. our listeners about Shar. So Shar is. She has been uh, a scarer, or like what? Are they, what's the actual word? Uh, scare actors. A, a scare actor since the seventies, I think. She's um, and she has worked in like all of the you know she's she's done scary farm she's done blackout she's done like a uh, universal um uh, what do they call it halloween horror, horror nights. nights yeah um, wait i should pause you though because i i had no idea what blackout was so for anyone who doesn't know what blackout is it is a haunted house experience that involves nudity and touching it's so it's the been kind of, of of uh haunts i guess exactly and like it's, it's in la in New York, right? Yeah, they, they, they set it up. They usually have like a, a month or so that they're set up. Um, I, I'm sure I think they've done it other places as well. I mm-hmm. think that they did it at Comic-Con one year. Um, yeah, it's I like think an escape Brian room yeah. with naked, naked scare actors. It's a new wave haunt. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's part of the a general wave of new haunted experiences or haunted attractions that have safe words. Um, which is another big part of this documentary. Um, but yeah, They're all it's really close to experimental theater. Yes. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Like sleep no more is, is like the big one in New York that isn't, it's not as like, um, exploitative necessarily, or is like, um, specifically gory or like over the top or doesn't have torture scenes or anything like that. But it's more of like a, like a thing you walk through and you're involved and you definitely have like contact with the actors and everything. Um, but so yeah, so Shar, Shar has done everything and she's also gotten like crazy injured over the course of her career that's what you find out is people punch scare actors in the face a lot which makes sense but it's like she's like oh yeah one time I was posted around this corner it was just like everybody who came around the corner as soon as I popped out they all like punched me in the face and she like had she has like a back injury she's basically like 
unable to keep like being a scare actor, which was very sad. And you can like, no, but then she retires into being like an a actor, non jumping actor. out scare actor. She's still an actor in haunted yeah. houses, but she's yeah. like, now I play the teacher in the haunted yeah. schoolroom right. <laughs> instead yeah. of like the student with the chainsaw. Yeah. I'm not and running. My husband after is kids. so much happier because I don't get punched in the face as well, much anymore. The scare widows. Or- well, the scare widows. She, okay. So Char is like, she's like a Jane Lynch character is what I thought about her. She's just like a kooky broad who just loves, to scare <laughs> like <laughs> it really comes across that all these people's relationships are very strained by the fact that they're so obsessed which is also what makes it a good documentary because i just like documentaries about people obsessed with things yep. yeah and they're all just obsessed with like being part of haunted houses and it totally alienates their partners from them right. a lot. also because a lot of them spend so much money yeah. on these things and yeah. so much time i mean it's a you know it, even if it runs for the whole month of october no. they're spending like six months of the year i kept comparing it to burning man because like burning man right. widows and widowers are a real thing too yeah. where right, like right. one person's really into burning man and they spend all their money and time and energy thinking about burning man so i think that the filmmaker john schnitzer who directed this documentary um he does. I, I I think I appreciate his like even to the like with the subjects that he isn't going in depth with. Like he asks everybody what they do for a day job. Like maybe that he doesn't ask anything else about their life or their family or anything. But so you get to like get this picture of just all these people who you know I'm a I'm a ex- executive assistant or whatever. And like this is my vacation every year. Like I go to Southern California so that I can be a zombie. At Universal or whatever, like this is how I choose to spend my time off, which is so it's it's very um it's very interesting. It's very revealing, I think. And yeah. Kind of- so there's like one half of the documentary that's like the American movie half. Yeah. That's like the people that are like really into scaring, but they're sort of like wholesome ultimately. Right. Uh, and they and just like then- love. They love craft. They, <laughs> they love. Just love yeah. They're they're like they're actors. They yeah. love like the theater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, and I when I went to Not Scary Farm where I'd never been before, but I went and loved. Um, and I totally like the part where you like walk through the old West town and people come out and scare you. Yeah. And they were in those skate also, things, which yeah, are terrifying. And you could, like, tell that some of them had worked so hard on their characters. Like there yeah. was one guy who was like the old timey, like railway station man. And he was just wandering around in a bar with like all this weird stage makeup on like ghost railway man, just like holding a lantern. And I was like, that guy is committed yeah. to yeah. this bit. And I respect that. So today's podcast was sponsored by Lisa, an innovative direct-to-consumer online mattress brand that's also socially conscious. Lisa is a mattress company that makes buying a mattress super, super easy, and you get this really, really amazingly comfortable mattress. So I had the pleasure of getting a Lisa mattress to try, and um, my husband and I had bought a mattress recently after 10 years of sleeping on a really bad mattress, and uh So I looked at my five-year-old son's uh, bed and his mattress that was a mess. And I was like, I'm going to give the mattress to my kid because I spend about 50% of the night in his bed and it's miserable. So I got the Lisa mattress for his bed and it was, first of all, it's so awful buying a mattress um, because you have to pick from a million different options. You always try it out in the store. It feels different when you get home. Like I had a bad experience buying mine. The experience buying Elisa was totally different. It's super, super easy to select exactly what you want online. 
And then it was delivered to my door and easy enough to pick up that I could actually put the mattress on my son's bed myself, which is crazy. Um, it was super, super thick. It was firm, but it was also very plush. The outside feels like a really nice cashmere sweater. Um, and it takes about an hour for it to kind of like finish puffing up and achieving its form because it arrives in a very small box. And then a day later, it is kind of completely unruffled. Um, so my son spent his first night in the bed and we brought a bunch of books and had a sleepover it was incredible. Like I, I really can't recommend it enough. And what's really nice about Lisa is that it's driven by the mission to provide a better place to sleep for everybody. So they donate one mattress to a shelter for every 10 they sell through their 110 program. They've um, donated over 22,000 mattresses so far, which is pretty amazing. They also plant a tree for every mattress sold and donate 1% of each employee's time to volunteer for local causes. But all that aside, it's just a really comfortable mattress. Um, we slept really great in it. I didn't even notice getting kicked by my son, which I did before. So I highly recommend this mattress. And if you would like to give Lisa a try, um, they're offering a special promotion for our listeners today where you can get $100 off the Lisa mattress using URL lisa.com forward slash nightcall. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash nightcall and use the promo nightcall. Speaking of people committed to bits, uh -huh. um, then there's the other part of the documentary, mm. which is about a guy in San Diego named Russ McCamey. Um, who is a scary man who looks like a scary Southern California, like Hawaiian shirt, barbecue dad guy. Kind of got a little bit of a busey look or who's the actor who's in the Americans who's like their neighbor in the first season. I don't know. Uh, um, definitely busey is, is a good touch yeah. point. Um, he, yeah, this, this part, I, well, the only, the only misgivings I have about this documentary are its use of the footage of the people who go through the McCamey Manor, which is like obviously a huge part of the McCamey Manor, which is this super extreme, like way beyond blackout, which is typically billed, I guess, among people who don't do this all the time. It's like being the most extreme haunted house, but they're, they have a safe word. Um, that's like a part of it is that you can opt out at any point if you want and you cannot opt out of the McCamey Manor. And he makes, he, he, he makes videos of um, the people that go through, which I guess this is this huge wait list, but he films them while they are like crying, covered in their own snot and vomit. Like, like, you know, people who are like literally being waterboarded in a haunted house. But who signed up for yeah. it. Okay, but wait. So so here's <laughs> the deal. So Russ McCamey super was super interesting to me. First of all, he's a wedding singer. Is right. his day job. Yeah. And I'm obsessed with he's that. He's like frightening, like daytime horror, like the black hole sun well, video. He I mean, he reminds me so <laughs> much of people melting. I know. It, he is. So I looked him up. And he spent 23 years in the Navy. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't smoke. He doesn't drink. He doesn't drink coffee. I think he, he should drink. Swear. <laughs> he might. Well, I'm like, wait, is, how is He's that? He's like the most repressed person in the world. Well, and he George tortures w. people. Bush was like fun. a dry drunk, too. It yeah. just makes yeah. you like want to torture people, I guess. I just think it's interesting. But I, I think that it's interesting how he kind of uses his detractors as publicity because even in the documentary when people were so traumatized by the experience like they go back what's okay so what the neighbor not all the of neighbor, them not all but the neighbor no, but the okay, neighbor but what, the neighbor did not go back voluntarily no, neighbor, she got tricked into coming back 
It's it really fucked three up. Times. Three, three times. Three times. <laughs> what, what I think is the crux of this documentary that makes it so crazy is that at a certain point, they like interview everybody who's gone through the crazy torture waterboarding. So it starts out with like, he feeds you bugs and then he like ties you up and tortures you. And then he's like waterboarding you and like putting you I mean, in a coffin honestly, and making it's a little you think you've been buried to- alive. It's a little hard to tell what actually happens because like every time they show the footage, it's so chopped up and has all this dubstep music over it. It's really hard to like tell what's actually happening to people. But it's also like they talk about what they do in it. They talk about what they do in McKamey Manor, the whole documentary. He's like, it's this crazy extreme haunted house and they talk about it and they lead up to it. And then they show it, mm-hmm. and there's like 15 minutes of them showing just yeah. like what happens inside. And it's I like was watching this at work, intense. and I, I was like very worried about people seeing what I was like, what I had on my computer well, because okay. it looks like a snuff film. Like it, it looks is awful. A snuff film. Well, that's what I'm saying too. Is like ultimately this guy is shooting a snuff film. It's yeah. just a really long snuff film, but eventually he's going to kill somebody. Right. Yes. Well, the other the the most problematic thing i think about it besides the lack of safe word which i think exists at every other haunted house every single other haunted house does that's why mckamey manor is kind of notorious because they leave it up to the scare actors to gauge when a person has had enough which like begging begging to be let out yeah they're begging watching people beg for their lives and you see that that is when he like gets a boner too and that's what's so you don't literally see the boner but you can sense his eyes light up and it's like he spends all the time he goes doesn't spend it's like yeah he, he like ugh, all his free so time that he doesn't spend filming people in the manner he's like editing the footage because he considers himself a filmmaker which yeah. is also kind of weird also, he has a wife make a just, movie. his wife is just sort of like it's his thing yeah well <laughs> she seems like she wife. has seen so much shit <laughs> like she looks split. like one of the most haunted Ooh. people in this yeah. entire i think that she was actually she may have actually just been i'm not sure that they were married but i read online this may not be true that they split Hmm. which is interesting because she was the most supportive spouse. Yeah. I mean, she was kind of reining right. him in at certain points, but, but she seemed pretty so much like she was supportive in words, but like her eyes were, were dark with, with yes, years of putting seen. up with this. So there, but, but the, there's another twist in this documentary that you don't see coming, but you're thinking, okay, so first of all, when the people get out of the thing and then they interview them and they're like, well, how do you feel about it? They're all like, I want to go back and be Not in charge this time. Not all of them are. Molly, you're misrepresenting. Like the there's like a few people that that do. Like it's like half. what about Mario and Luigi? That's the scariest the part. Mario, that the two yeah. guys, the two brothers who go through it wearing Mario and Luigi. Yeah, outfits. and they're like, we want to go fuck people up after this. But like that's not everybody. Like the people that he sits down with and they watch the footage at the computer. Those people are not having it. They were not happy yeah. with their experience, and well, they say that also, they hate it. <laughs> also, they they sign waivers, but they only sign waivers after they have been initiated into the experience by being basically, you know, giving permission to be kidnapped, verbal permission. And then they're like tortured a little and then they're handed a form. And some people, because there are a lot of um, on Facebook in particular, a lot of forums dedicated to how much McKamey Manor is terrible and is mm-hmm. like a liability and shouldn't exist. And uh, and they all say that the biggest issue is that you sign the waiver under duress. And at that point, you feel like these people are so sick and like you've kind of given yourself over to them that you have to do whatever they say. So that I mean, yeah, that's really also what makes it interesting that he was in the Navy for so long. And then also the other twist is that you find out that his dad 
was part of the Nevada Tech exactly. Project. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> and that's got, the that's the real tie back. <laughs> and his dad got melted by an atomic bomb and they're like he didn't die because of the atomic bomb. He died he killed himself because his insides he was were so melted. Miserable. And then you're yeah. like this guy signed a waiver for the government mm-hmm. being like I trust you not to fucking melt my insides. Uh, and it like kind of explains the psychological motivation of the McKamey Manor guy. Even. Explains, but does not excuse. No, does not <laughs> excuse. But I, you know, I feel like it would be even scarier if it wasn't motivated by anything. Right. You know, right. the fact that there's like a backstory and like a psychological thing that you're like, well, obviously this guy is obsessed with like control and death because like the his country killed his dad, and then he served his country, and then he served his country. Yeah. Well, I think. I mean, I think. That the 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 char puts it really best like the best at one point because obviously all these people it's like a kind of small community so everybody knows of each other and everybody knows of McCamey Manor and so Char this woman who's been in it forever and seen like all these different stages of the evolution of this stuff she's like she's like I love being a scare actor but the whole fun of it is that somebody's there voluntarily like it's like a cat and a mouse and like once exactly. the mouse is dead it's not fun anymore so like why wouldn't you want to give people away to leave like otherwise you're you're not playing anymore and it's not fun and I feel like you know even with the most extreme stuff even with like the full contact haunted houses that's still a part of it and like there's everybody has a different threshold of what they can deal with it's like you know like if you it's it's very there's so much crossover especially with safe words and stuff with like um with like bdsm stuff and and like you know getting a dominatrix or something like that but there's not gonna be a dominatrix who like you hire who like literally doesn't let you out of a cage for two weeks unless you specifically say i don't want to be let out of a cage for two weeks you know right and there are people who want that and again yeah and if you do that's fine fine. yeah but and that's what's interesting about this also is you're like it just shows you you're like there should never be anything where you can't withdraw consent at some point if you feel the need to because all of these people go into this thing being like, it'll be fun, I yeah, guess, which I is know. also like, well, you know, I'm it, already lost when I they do the that. I think the tagline for the experience is, you don't want to do this. Right. But that's <laughs> just and there's such a, a wait dare. list of 27,000 well, people. He got kicked out of San Diego. He got like run out of San Diego because uh, his neighbors complained about him waterboarding people in the backyard constantly, which yeah. they were like, Seems my like- kids can see you torturing people. Yeah. Please don't do that. Uh, although there is also like a black ops military base right in San Diego, right yeah. there where they do some stuff. Uh, but you can't see it from your backyard. They make it really hard to see. That's why what they do with black ops sites. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Purposely difficult to see. Well, one thing that became like fucked up is that so it started off and this is already like messed up. He would just have like teenagers come and teenagers who don't know how to like properly interact with people in a way that doesn't draw, like cross the line into assault. Like he just had teens running around who were like being fed pizza and Mountain Dew and letting them just like like you know run rampant on the guests and then there was a problem because apparently one of the adult scare people was uh, sending inappropriate text messages to one of the teen scare actors and so then he replaced them all with like fucking like skinheads and and like uh people who yeah, had like assaulted about cops it is scary. And it's yeah. awful like what yeah, is going on i can't believe that any of it is legal at all like i hate to be the alarmist like well, christian radio very, person right now but it's, it's like horrible it's skirting the lines of legality because but you know what like i i know another person who's really into haunted houses my friend eva who 
I asked her about this documentary and she's like knew who everybody was. <laughs> but, you know, people who go to home haunts, there is like a whole culture of people where it is also very like it overlaps with uh, experimental theater. She paid a theater troupe to do an experimental play on her for a year. What? <laughs> what was it? Uh, like a, it was like to. She's really into haunted experiences, and so she she paid a theater troupe to like do a haunted experience on her. Where I think it was like people would just show up sometimes and be like, ask her questions that were confusing, and be like, "I'm the doctor." <laughs> And then, <laughs> did she gaslight herself? Well, yeah, I was like, what are you going for with this? Like, are you trying to make yourself unhinged? Because, like, I have enough problems with that without hiring people to come. Man. <laughs> like, so she, and well, she said, like, eventually it ended because they ran out of money. They never like came to the conclusion of the play. She never like found out the answer to the mystery because they're Those like actors. they're like a theater troupe from San Francisco who like moved down to L.A. to haunt her. Oh my god! And then they ran out of money. I was like, "Are you sure? Or is that just part of the play?" Right, right. They wow. show up six months later, and they're like, "Hey, Eva." And then I was like, "How much did it cost?" And she was like, five hundred dollars." And I was like, "Well, that's very reasonable for like a year of haunting." That's amazing. <laughs> I always wanted to do that thing, which I don't think they do anymore, um, called Street Wars. It's like the assassin game that runs over, like it basically as long as it takes, where you have a real life target in town and like in the city that you live in, and you're supposed to just like squirt them with a water gun, but like everything oh, is. I, is that like the geocaching games with like. It's kind of, Pokemon, I mean, I think it's like a similar Go. appeal, but it's like, it's like you actually have to find out where to. Find the person that you're assigned to, and you Emily, have to. Emily, like, this sounds like LARPing. I it is LARPing. <laughs> I'm Are you into cyberpunk LARPing? Yeah, totally, dude. Um, yeah, no. I, wait, what I had read about it sounds sounded super fun, but also you'd have to have a huge amount of trust in the people who are doing the right. game with well, you. Well, Eva said also that like somebody at a ha different haunted house she went to almost got killed, and I was like, well, "Was it McCamey Manor?" And she was like, "No, another one like in Riverside or what something." What happened? Waterboarding or no? It was like they do them out of people's houses. They're like small scale ones that are like experimental plays, and so some of them are like participatory. And this one, I think it was like they throw you on the bed, and then there were people under the bed who like come out and grab you, uh -huh. but they threw somebody on the bed who was like too big and they like almost crushed the people <gasps> under the bed because oh, the no. bed broke. Oh my oh. God. But I was, I was like, right. It is this totally unregulated industry and it's like such a micro industry because it only happens once a year. But uh, <clears throat> everybody in this documentary is like talking about the McKamey Manor guy being like, this guy's going to get us all banned yeah, forever right. from haunted houses. Yeah. Like, well, which is I like, I understand that, why, like, yeah, that that thing of like the existential threat to your entire like hobby slash way of life is real. I also I looked up John Schnitzer on IMDb and he is the co-owner of the Brain Factory. So he <laughs> creates horror attractions and he does um, it says. He directed and produced the Flatline Experience, a virtual reality project that gives audiences the ability to become active participants in an actual near-death experience. Ooh, it's like a wow. Flatliners VR. Yeah. So I, I thought that like one of the really good things about this documentary was that McKamey Manor obviously is the most, you know, is the biggest example of how this is like maybe a terrible idea that shouldn't exist. But it's dealt with very diplomatically because there are people who find a, a tremendous release from this. Like, I'm not one of them. And I would be so upset if this were next door to my house. And I was like constantly hearing people, by the way, <laughs> squeamish, like turn off your ears right now. But it was really intense to see him force people to 
eat their own, eat their own. yeah no that was awful that, i mean that was, was like awful. for some reason that was m- more than anything else was where i i was just like i don't know russ I, I think I was, kind of like, I couldn't like, believe that it was shame, on guys. Netflix. I have to say, like, there is so much nasty <laughs> stuff on this that I was yeah, like, but wow. That's the thing is, I'm like, if somebody wants to do that, I'm not judging because it no, doesn't yeah. hurt anybody. But like the waterboarding, where I'm like, you could literally just murder somebody yeah. by accident. I don't believe that the people that he has there doing this know what they're actually doing. No, for sure, they make <laughs> that very clear. They're like, we we got rid of the teenagers who didn't know what they were doing and hired a bunch of racist skinheads. Yeah. Who's like not reassuring yeah. at all and now he does it in the south yeah as like oh, a I'm traveling sure that's, show that's well i was also like this is right up he's t- gonna turn into that guy from the last episode of black mirror the yeah. black museum guy you know i was well, like he has that that's exactly his vibe that's I mean, exactly that's, his vibe yeah. you're like this guy wants to like torture people for like racism yeah. which he probably already did in the well community. you wonder it's hard to tell because he doesn't swear so when he was like yeah, yeah this one guy was into the kkk and some of that junk I was like, well, no, you, it's like, yeah, but he had a better sense. So it was cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, he came clean. He came clean. Um, do you guys, what would be, do you guys have any like deep seated, horrible fears? And if you were going to have your own horrible experience in one of these nightmarish houses, would there be like certain elements that you would uh, go for? like none of the stuff where it's all like people gagging you and pushing you around and like simulating rape on you or whatever none of that sound like that sounds scary yes but it doesn't sound like something i would ever volunteer for but i did do this like what part of the grandland story that i did where i went to all the haunts was like this thing called alone which they showed the logo of it at one point during the documentary i think they still do it in la and that one is much more like yeah, you get you get pushed around and like touched by people, but it's not like gore. It's not like yeah. uh, it's not this torture porn aesthetic. It's like just like unsettling, weird environments, like kind of. Wait, but why is it called alone if there are people there to touch you? <laughs> well, because you question. you have to go through it by yourself. Like I think a lot of these, even blackout and stuff, you can go through with your friends, or they'll like separate you at points, but then you come back together. Like, but but alone, you have to go through all by yourself. Um, which is kind of great. I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was, it was scary. Like it was the scariest thing of everything that I did, but it was like scary in an interesting way and not like where I was like that, that was different than anything that I've experienced before. Like the way that these people are like chasing after the, like, I just want to see if I can do it. Like that felt more satisfying to me in that way without having my hair cut or whatever else they do to you. Like, yeah. I mean, I feel like just like torture porn, I find kind of boring as a horror genre uh, because it's sort of just, you know, hits you over the head over and over again. And that's not it. subtle enough. It's Molly. not subtle enough. I like, I, I do think there's like a lot more space in the haunt, the haunting space. Well, you guys are invited to my haunting space, which is going to be in an office building and you get into an elevator and then it stops. And then you don't know when I'll let you off <laughs> because that to me is the most, I'm like, put me by myself in a way. I prefer that. I'm not finding like, I don't think I would have any kind of like a breakthrough or an epiphany being touched by other people. Cause that's kind of something I avoid, <laughs> but like being in an elevator by yourself and then having someone else like make the decision when to let you out. I think I could crack anyone. Oh, yeah. Well, I was afraid of elevators for a really long time. Me too. (laughs) I got stuck in one and was like, this is a justified fear. I'll take the stairs. I've never been stuck in one, but I saw so many sitcom episodes where people got stuck in them. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then I saw the the movie Speed. Oh, yeah. You know, lots of scary things uh, can go wrong every day. Yeah. (laughs) 
but I was going to say, I like a Disneyland haunted mansion. I like a, a spooky vibe. Yeah. Um, and also the James Turrell thing that Emily and yeah. I saw in Las Vegas, I feel like is in another. Pl- yeah. Yeah. It's in a plane of like, you feel, you feel kind of like out of your body in a way that is great and crazy and you're sort of like i could just go off into the forever wait which one was this because i did the one where you're in a tube and there's the lights and not the music. that one i loved that uh the one that's like the the gansfield one where you like the hotline bling, bling one. Oh yeah yeah okay <laughs> speaking of things that'll make you feel weird have you guys heard of this podcast the last movie um it's from the creator of tannis rabbits and the co-creator of the black tapes Tannis podcast host Nick Silver and regular contributor MK explore the possible existence of The Last Movie, an infamous underground feature film reputed to drive you insane. Legend has it that every screening of this film was surrounded by bloodshed and controversy. One reviewer actually described slipping on blood in the aisle as he ran through dozens of people trying to tear him apart. Holy shit. (laughs) Uh... It's going to be insane, so subscribe to The Last Movie on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, and get ready to enjoy the mystery. Let's take a night call, or night email, as the case may be. This person does not want their name read, but this letter is very good, so um, we want to share it with you. Hello, night call. After listening to the discussion in astrology, psychics, etc. on the most recent episode of Night Call, I wanted to reach out and get your take on a past situation I dealt with at a past job. My boss, who fancied herself as my mentor, was into all of this. She had quarterly calls with a psychic who lived across the country where she'd ask specific questions about everyone in her life, including me. She was always happy to tell me when he had good news about me, most often related to my love life. But I do have a suspicion that my eventual fallout of favor with her had something to do with one of these readings. What advice would you have for past me? How does one tell their boss to knock it off and quit asking their psychic about me or at the very least not tell me about it? Also, on the off chance that she listens to anyone other than her psychic, namely this podcast, please don't use my name. Thank you in advance. Um... Well, this, I mean, I would be terrified if my, my boss was consulting a psychic about me. I would feel like my fate was even more out of my hands than it normally was. So I'm, I'm not also, sure. Also, what a boring person to be like asking your psychic about your employees. Right, yeah. I mean, do you have nothing else? <laughs> That's more a very compelling? good point. <laughs> it seems kind of passive aggressive too. It's like, mm, my psychic said, I don't like you. Yeah. I'm going to actually, I'm going to say that this woman or man's boss was totally lying to her. And I think she was, I think she was messing with her. You mean, I'm just posing the question. Emily, what do you think? I mean, if, if, okay. So she finds out about her boss seeing a psychic, uh, by her boss just saying like, Oh, I, my psychic told me a few interesting things about you. Wink, wink. Um, I think at that point I would like lightheartedly be like, uh okay cool please don't talk to me about your psychic or talk to me with your psychic anymore you know like but it's so weird because it's your boss so like you can't be like mm, i don't want to hear it yeah. you're like oh gotta hear whatever they want to talk about even if it's some weird thing about me yeah. but, but obviously as soon as they're like i asked my psychic it's like someone being like oh i was talking to my therapist I about you saying, yeah but that's um, different it, like a therapist at least will like ideally give you some kind of like uh, uh you know uh, 
studied. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. If you talk to your therapist about someone and then you report to that yeah. person what your therapist said, <laughs> oh, no. that is a truly terrible thing Defin- to do. No, definitely don't do that. But I'm saying that if somebody did that, I would feel less alarmed or like out of control than if somebody said that they were asking myself. Because who knows what this like, at least they're going to their therapist with like, an account, accurate or otherwise, of something that I did or some way that I was. But with a psychic, it's just like, it could be, it's just drawn out of a hat. Who knows? It still seems inappropriate. You shouldn't be talking to your therapist about your employees. And if you do, you shouldn't tell your employees. Yeah. No, I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying that it's it's like a a shit, not quite as bad. But yeah. I got to say, they always do an amazing job with that on the Real Housewives franchise. They always bring in a psychic to like uncover things people don't want to say, but do. Uh, well, we all recall on Beverly Hills, yeah. the uh, the oh, yeah. pen or whatever. That was, yeah. Iconic. Iconic. <laughs> Guys, you want to take another night call? Well, wait, we haven't even finished talking about this. What's your advice? My advice is she's lucky she got out of that job. They, right. She or he. I mean, okay, but especially if, if this person back. is your mentor, I would say, like, find another mentor, if not another boss, or start looking for another job. But definitely find another mentor person in, if, if seniority to uh, assist you yeah. with your career. This person doesn't have your best I'm just going to say so that I think what you should do is I think that you, if you're ever in this position again, you need to tell your boss that you, too, have a psychic <laughs> and you, too, are concerned consulting with your psychic and just nod and be like interesting and then just be like that's the opposite of what my psychic said (laughs) and stare directly (laughs) into her eyes stare directly into her soul (laughs) and just like really let her know that you see her her poisoned aura that's what i would do what you say is you're like well my like satanist preacher oh there's that too said that if uh, you keep giving false prophecies about me, you're going to die. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> that will not get you fired at all. That will On the just, next it'll bring you together. Yeah. Um, Guys, Freedom of Religion Act. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's take another night call while we're at yeah, it. Yeah, I've got a night, night call, a night call from uh, Sarah. Sarah says, hi, night call. You asked for some ghost stories at the end of the episode with Claire Evans, and I thought I'd email mine. My friend once told me that growing up, she used to play with a friend of hers in the alley behind their two houses. At the end of the alley was a house everyone knew to be abandoned. One day they thought they saw a figure in the window. The kids told an adult, and this is where it got strange. For some reason, the adult suggested they go into the house and see who was there. Once they got in the house, they saw no one in the rooms but saw a staircase leading to upstairs. My friend said the staircase was too small for an adult to walk up, so the adult had the children go instead. Good thinking. The cool. children obliged and found nothing up the stairs. As they were leaving, they saw a staircase to the basement. She says her next memory is of the following day when neither her, her friend, or the adult chaperone could remember anything that happened after they saw the basement steps. They went back to the house to see if they could piece the events together, but found the entire house had been raised. She has no memory of any fire or demolition and doesn't know exactly what happened. Uh, did they hallucinate it? Was it the adult or was it the work of ghosts? I am sure the three of you can get this figured out. I like your confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely as people who are like what tertiary uh, <laughs> listeners of the story. Amateur ghost yes. investigators. Well, we- that was ghosts. Sarah, that was ghosts. That was ghosts. 
Ghosts raise the house. I, I mean, who was this adult so many who's having the things. child go up the staircase? Well, I think that's one of the questions: is is this like a repressed memory thing, like a eighties Satanist, yeah, kind of kind of thing, or is it like a weird, vivid dream that you have that you then remember as like a childhood memory, which I feel like also happens? Because I had a weird thing that I think was a dream where I like visualized that the swimming pool was full of worms mm. one time. And then I like asked my parents about it and they were like, that didn't happen. <laughs> really? Yeah. How old were you? Like a kid. Crazy. Yeah. And it was like very vivid. It's one of the things I think about. Have you guys have I mean, any had any really convincing ghost experiences? Uh, I had an it experience like two days ago. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was like alone on a rooftop and I heard a rustling sound and I was like, it's a person. It sounds big. It's a person or like an animal in this like rooftop vegetable garden. And then it was a balloon what? and it was like a children's <laughs> happy birthday balloon. And it just like floated along past me and then like floated away. Whoa. Happy birthday, Molly. <laughs> and I was like, that was as scary as if it had been a person. Whoa. Um, my my bedroom at my parents' house, where I, I only spent a couple of years because we moved around, but they, they've had this house for a while and they now live in it. Um, I had terrible insomnia starting when we moved in there. And my parents are sleeping fine. We come from New York City and they had been sleeping on the street side. So they like could never sleep in New York. And then they go up to the country and be like, oh, it's so it's like so peaceful at night. But as soon as we moved there, I could never, never sleep. And it also was, you know, no matter how they tinkered with the temperature, my room was always freezing cold. And when I was younger, I was like, I don't know, guys, everything's kind of pointing in a ghostly direction for my room. And they were like, oh, that's bullshit. Like, no, you just wish that you lived back in New York where you had friends and you have no friends here. And I was like, that's a good point. But it's also a haunted house. So a few years ago, my parents' bedroom was being painted. And they moved their stuff into my room for like a week or something. Um, and neither of them could sleep. And they were like, it was crazy because our rooms are like really close together in the house and their room would be a normal temperature. But mine was like freezing, freezing cold. And whenever I go back to visit and bring people with me or whatever, I've, nobody can sleep in that room. Like you just stay up all night, kind of like staring at the ceiling and being Ooh. creeped out. Can I ask a question? Oh, yeah. Do you have one of those weird compartments in the wall that like weird East Coast houses have? Do you know what I'm talking about? The like vacuum closet? Yeah. Not in that room. That room, though, it's like it's there's like a, a tree with a branch that always like scratches against the window. It has like a bunch of like the New England yeah. kind of like creepy. I mean, all of New England is definitely haunted yeah and definitely that house might be haunted it feels mad haunted forest yeah and it's like you know there's just something it's like it looks like if you i mean it's a beautiful house and i and i think it's just my room that's haunted it's probably just haunted and by you my, like read a lot of stephen king around that that's time. that's the thing is that i got really into stephen king and would just stay up all night reading stephen king and go to school <laughs> and like be goth and unhappy emily do you have any ghost stories? Well, I don't really. And and I was kind of getting at this earlier. I, I am a little bit jealous of people that do. Like, I would like to have my um, my idea of what, what constitutes reality be challenged in a way where I saw a ghost. 
or really anything like a ghost is a one paranormal one experience yeah I'd, I'd be open to it and curious about it but I've never had anything like that happen I think you know I didn't really watch a lot of scary movies when I was a kid or read Stephen King or anything like that so I just don't think that that stuff was in my imagination so I wasn't able to even like trick myself into thinking that I saw anything but I've heard so many like convincing ghost stories from people like ghost experiences that uh that make me you know i'd be interested in i'd be interested in their their reality or like what was behind them like i had a roommate who um was staying at a friend's parents summer home of course on the east coast that's where all these happen and there was um there was like a little boy who she would see every night, like at the top of the stairs wearing like a little sailor outfit and multiple people said that they had seen him. Like that (laughs) kind of thing creeps me out so badly. Um, I went to a hotel in Santa Fe specifically because I had seen it on a haunted celebrity show, celebrity ghost stories where Joe Pantoliano said he had been haunted there. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, he was also like me and my lady friend were like fighting a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hmm. But uh, it definitely had like, some some old timey vibes but it, i didn't feel haunted specifically yeah there's this whole like subset of hauntings that happens where um people on when they're watching their baby monitors of their kids they see floating glowing orbs uh, so if you, what there's about a, like aphex twin faces and your baby monitor yeah. like so. no, but there's, there are things like of that you know related to that but um also there's a lot of discussion of and this is something that you can look at on like baby center and like weird like you know giant parenting groups where people talk about how their young children will refer to like, you know, like my kids have actually have one called baby Sam, baby Sam was died in England, but now like haunts them. But you know, it's like a common thing where your kid will like have an imaginary friend, but then sometimes they tie it in with like, yes, my imaginary friend, he's dead. And you're like, (laughs) Tess, you were always really into Rosemary's baby. Were you afraid you might have like a demon child? No, because my, the timing was off with my affair with Satan. (laughs) I looked at my calculator. I was like the period. No, that's the title of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) My affair with Satan. My affair with Satan. I mean, I think that, I think that there's been some research into the fact that like most children, like hallucinate a good deal like as their brains are developing like that there is totally like that's where the idea of imaginary friends come from and or other things where you're just your memory can be a little bit warped about your early early childhood just because like so much of it is sort of a little bit uh yeah not all solid necessarily and like the scary neighborhood house everybody has like the scary house at the end of the street uh that represents your subconscious <laughs> and right. it burns down exactly uh, <laughs> but you know i think a lot of that stuff about like kid geography and that is what's so good about it and those good right Stephen king books is that they are like about like you're a kid and everything's weird and also you're afraid of your changing body and maybe it's a clown what's the most like um i guess notoriously haunted place you guys have ever visited oh well that's i easily i can answer that uh devil's gate 
in mm. Pasadena. I was going to say that one too. It's yeah. Yeah. Which is definitely haunted. And, uh, but again, I'm like, sometimes I'm like, Ooh, I like the, like the ley lines thing. You know, I like, I like going to nature and having that thing where you're like overtaken by nature. Yeah. And you're like, I'm a, I'm a tiny little dot. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the best feeling. Yeah. Tiny little dots surrounded by ghosts. <laughs> yeah. And I do feel like, you know, that there's that spirited away thing where you do sometimes in nature, just feel like everything's spirit. Yeah. Yep. is real annihilation exactly. yeah annihilation yeah. um the ego so that was by the way like we we were so happy to get the ghost stories that we got so if you have a ghost story please give us a call at 240-469 yeah. or you can email us at nightcallpodcast at gmail and it's not limited to ghost stories but we want more ghost stories yeah give us feed us ghost stories feed us ghosts um i think that does it for us this week Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a review, and uh, leave us a five-star rating, but only if you feel it in your heart. You can also follow us on Twitter at uh, NightCallPod and Facebook at NightCallPodcast and Instagram at NightCallPodcast. And those are all of our social media platforms. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. With ghosts. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind. So you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. I'm going to go there on this because this is the 
is people that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy, yeah. right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.